You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I'm going to talk today about a word. And that word, sorry, I'm blocking those who are watching on, um, online. That word is edify. If I was to pick out, there are about 10 words in the Bible that are essential for a Christian. I hope maybe I'll do kind of studies on all of them. First word is love. You can't be a Christian if you don't have love. We're called to love God and love one another. Um, you've got to follow someone. So follow Jesus is another word. Everybody follows someone. We might follow a sports star, a celebrity, a lifestyle, um, a philosophy. But God calls us to follow Jesus. And as Christians, we follow Jesus because he's the life giver. Amen? Amen? But another word, maybe it's number three or four, is the E word. So today my message is E is for edify. What does edify mean? I'm going to do a little bit of teaching and a little bit, a little bit of preaching today. Is that okay? So we're mixing it up a little bit and we pray the Holy Spirit will move um, before we close today. So edify, what does it mean? Here's a photograph Denise took of me earlier, just this morning as I was uh, preparing for the day. Um, I just flex my muscles in the morning. I don't know why people are laughing, really. What does edify mean? Just think of a bodybuilder, for example. He builds up muscle. But edify is to build up, to make strong, to encourage, to make peace. That's what edify means. And if you and I aren't edifying, if we're not building up different aspects of our lives, we will spiritually get sick, and maybe even mentally and physically as well. So today's really important. The E word is edify. So how can we do it? I pray God will instruct us, challenge us, and encourage us through his word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We need to edify our minds, brothers and sisters. Everything begins in the mind. The fact that you are sitting in this building today is because you made a decision in your mind. You choose to do it. If someone decides to have an affair with someone, it begins in the mind. That's why it's so important that we build up and edify our minds as Christians. How can we do that? Well. For example, 2 Peter 1.13 says we do it by remembering. It's not that we remember things that hurt us, but we're called to remember good things. For example, next Sunday we're going to have the breaking of bread, bread and wine. The scripture asks you and me to remember the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary. That remembering edifies our minds. In our heads, we can think of what Jesus did and the price he paid for us. So we remember that. Uh, the Holy Spirit challenged the church in the book of Revelation. They had so many things going for them. But he said, you forgot your first love. You forgot your first love. What's your first love? Anyone tell me? Jesus. So it's not Mary O'Sullivan or Peter O'Loughlin or whatever. That's not your first love. Your first love, if you're a Christian, is the living God. It's Jesus. And he's saying here, 
to the church, you've forgotten that, that, and it begins in the mind. And then, of course, we're also told not to forget to gather together and to assemble together. So these memories, these good memories, are part of how you and I can build up our minds. We're also told to focus. This Bible verse, Philippians, or Philippians 4, 8, it's one of those verses every Christian really should know. And it's a vital scripture verse. Do you know why? Because it says, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is noble, and it goes on and on. Think and meditate on these things. So let's take one of those pure. Every time you get an impure thought in your head, don't be a jelly baby and go, oh, I just have to go with that thought. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can say, I'm not thinking about that. I'm going to think about something that's good, something that's positive, something that's pure, not impure, not because of a rule, but because it's good for me. It's good for me to think those thoughts. And so Paul says here, the great apostle when he wrote it, have a good focus in your thoughts. Don't get dragged down the rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole of thinking impure stuff or bad stuff because it just messes your head, it messes your soul, it messes your relationships. So we can edify and build up our minds by focusing. And sometimes people say, do you know what, you Christians, it's all fake. You're just fake smiles and trying to be nice to everyone. The Bible never calls for fake. It doesn't call it to lie. Let's say someone here says, I have a fantastic voice, I should be singing. Praise God. But what about if they really think they have a great voice and they don't? Are we to lie to them? No. God never asks us to lie. So we don't lie. But we might say, and I can remember this happening about 20 years ago. Someone thought he was a great preacher. He really wasn't. But man, what an evangelist he was. He was so fruitful. And it was a matter of going, I, I love your heart, but can you not see the gifting and the anointing God is on your life? So we're not called to lie and be fake. And this is what Romans 12, 3. And it even says about ourselves, don't think too highly of yourself. Now, the philosophy of today is keep thinking about yourself all the time. If we keep looking in, we're going to keep going down. We look up. Amen? That's where we primarily look rather than in. And while it's, we have to be confident, and God wants you and me to be confident, He doesn't want us to be obnoxious or proud or full of ourselves. And that's why the Bible says, don't think too highly of yourself. In other words, be real, be honest, don't be fake. So don't ever get worried about that. This is good stuff. And I love what Paul or what the writer in Romans also said, Romans 7.23. There's another force at war with my mind. Trying to make me a slave to sin. Who can help me? Thank God. Jesus can. Whatever the thought you're struggling with, whatever the mindset, you can overcome it because Jesus is on your side. Hallelujah. Do we actually believe that? Because it's true. You might opt out and that's your choice, of course. But if you really want the help of Jesus Christ, he wants to help you and he wants to help me. So whatever force 
whatever war might be going on in your mind, remember this scripture. We can build up our minds, whatever the force is. <coughs> so praise God. Here's another thing we need to edify. It is our body. And we're called to consider this physical body that your soul and my soul is in. And we're asked to look at it in a slightly different way than people in the world would just look at it. Because we need to build that up as well. Not necessarily through physical muscle, though the Bible says uh, a little exercise is good. But for example, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, your body is a temple. You see, it used to be that a building was the temple. But no, in the New Testament, it's the people are the temple. Guess who that is? You and me, if we are born again. If we are born again, if we love Jesus, we are the temple. If you're not born again, you're only a prayer away. Would anyone say amen? amen. You can be so close to Jesus. You can leave this building in, in under half an hour and be born again and know Jesus just by calling up and praying to him and starting that adventure and that journey. But our bodies are a temple. So we shouldn't mess our bodies up. And that means we shouldn't mess our bodies up by being addicted to alcohol. Would anyone say amen? amen? We shouldn't mess our bodies up by being addicted to some drug substance. Would anyone say amen? amen. We shouldn't mess our bodies up by being addicted to pornography. Amen. amen. There's so many things that can mess our bodies and our minds and our souls up. But when we realize that we are a temple, part of the temple, we treat our bodies with a bit more respect. It also tells us in Romans 12:1, consider your body like a living sacrifice. You see, God doesn't want your body dead on the altar. He doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. Now, does that mean you never have any fun? Is that what it means? No. Does, thank you, Denise, one person in the job. Does it, does, <laughs> Does your body being a living sacrifice means that you're going around in a state of depression? No, no. Consider those who are in the Olympics out in Tokyo this week from Ireland. Passed a big poster in East Cork this morning, um, wishing a girl, a local girl called Aoife, well, she's, I don't know what sport she's in. She, what is it? Rowing. Rowing. Thank you, John. So this girl Aoife is in the rowing competition. Well, she, Aoife, and many others they would all have paid a price to be in the Olympic team. They would have chosen to sacrifice a night in a winter's night watching TV by the fire. And they'd have gone out and they would have exercised uh, on the river rowing, let's say. They would have chosen not to eat in certain foods. They would have chosen not to go to a party and go to bed early. You get the picture. Paul in the Bible says, look at all these sportsmen. They sacrificed so much for just a temporary crown. They had the Olympics back in New Testament times in Greece, right where it began. And he said, they just get a crown that was made of leaves that disappears. How much more should the people of God be a, have a bit of living sacrifice to get a crown that lasts forever? Can you picture that day? When you will go to heaven, and God, the scripture talks about a crown of glory. Hallelujah. Imagine the day of that reward. 
So by saying no to that which hurts us and saying yes to that which is life-giving, it's a living sacrifice, but you know who gets blessed by it? We do. We do. We're also told to consider our lifestyle. Again, 1 Corinthians 6.19. If you look throughout history, I was reading it a while back, the Roman and Greek era and today are the three times when society was obsessed with sex. Obsessed with it. And most other times, people, the culture wasn't obsessed with it. But today, you and I are living in a time where everything is about sex. And Paul, who lived in Roman times, and it was so similar to today, said to the people in Corinth, and Corinth was party town. Corinth was like Ibiza, okay, today. It's where everyone went to sleep with someone and have a good time, so-called. And Paul said, your body was never created for sex, just. Yeah, sex has its place within marriage, but that's not... Your body was created for God. Hallelujah. Amen. Does that sound weird? Because really it's not. Your body and my body was created to give glory to God. So when we live, where every time we turn on a screen, or see something on a poster, or read something, it's all the same message. You need to have a body like this. You need to look really well, or else they won't want to sleep with you. You know what? That's a lie. Don't buy into that narrative. If you source it, it doesn't come from God. It comes from somewhere else. Amen. It's the person inside. That's who's really important. Amen. You're worried about your hair? I'm not worried about my hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't get caught up with the outer carcass. You know what? I promise you something. Without fear of contradiction, your body or bodies will all fade away, but who you are inside will last forever. It'll last forever. So the person you are inside is the one that God is really interested in. God says, man might look at the outside, but I look at the heart. And as Christians, we're challenged to not just look at the outside. That doesn't mean we can't appreciate something, but we shouldn't be obsessed with it, and we shouldn't see our bodies as just fulfilling that need. If you really want your body to be built up and edified, choose a good lifestyle. Amen? Amen. Choose a lifestyle that will help you give glory to God. Another part of your body, one of the smallest, is your tongue. James says it's a tiny fire. Don't use bad language or evil words. Rather, on the contrary, instead, use your speech to encourage other people. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. A word from you can destroy someone. Equally, a word from you can deeply bless someone. Amen? Amen. So this part of our body, the tongue, choose our words wisely. Don't be a liar, don't be fake. But speak life, not death. Praise God. What about our soul? Your soul and my soul is what will live forever. We'll either live in heaven or we live in hell. That's what the Bible says. There is no purgatory. There is no other place. There is heaven or there is hell. Choose you today where you want to go. If you want to go to heaven, then we need to 
would save you then. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to have eternal life, he said it to Nicodemus, John 3.16. Nicodemus says, how can I have eternal life? In other words, go to heaven. And Jesus said, you must be born again, born from above. A second birth, if you will, a spiritual birth. So how can we bless our souls? If you do love the Lord, here's some ways you can edify or build up your soul. Wait on God. Who tell me this verse from Isaiah? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew your strength. Now, I'm kind of an action guy. It doesn't come easy to me to sit still or quietly. But I discipline myself for years and I will sit still regularly and I will wait on God. And you say, what happens? I'm waiting on him. If you love someone, you'll wait for them, won't you? Yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be married to some of you guys. <laughs> we wait for the people we love, don't we? No, they have to be right on time. If someone we love, we will wait on them. We, we spend a lot of our lives waiting. How about waiting on God? And when I sit still and I wait on God, sometimes nothing happens. And sometimes other things, thoughts come into my mind. Or, um, or, or uh, it's, I'm just there. But so often, I know God's presence comes near me. And as I sit there, some, very often I cry, and I'm not one of nature's weepers, but I will weep when I know God is near me. And I will be strengthened within. And maybe he brings scripture verse to my memory, but I know that I need to wait on God. You need to wait on God. You want to edify your soul? Wait on God and renew your strength. Pour out your heart before the Lord. One of the things I've been fascinated with for a long time is prayer walking. And the Celtic Christian Church here in Ireland, um, back in the 6th, 7th century, they used to do these pilgrim walks. And you can go on one in Waterford, St. Declan's Way, West Cork, St. Finbar's Way, Glendalough, Wicklow, St. Kevin's Way, Cullen, Killock, and Derry. They're all over the place. And there's different aspects to it. But the very first thing that Christians usually do in a prayer walk is called the release. It's the first door. You release the burden on your heart. You release that which is dragging you down. You let go. You pour it out to the Lord. The Bible tells us all over the Psalms, pour out your complaint to the Lord. Some people think they have to put on a very special kind of a voice and a face before God. No. You have freedom of speech. You pour out your complaint. What did David do? How long, oh God, are you going to forget me forever? Hang on a minute, David. You're not being very respectful before God. He's being honest. He poured out his heart. This is God's written word. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have turmoil in my heart day after day? David poured out his complaint. If you and I don't pour out our complaint to God, who are we going to pour out the complaint to? We start complaining to others. We start dragging down other people and we start getting negative in ourselves. Pour your complaint out before God. As you do, as I do, something happens in that process. And as I pour out 
these things to God, I, I usually find I get a peace. Because now I know God has them. I'm not carrying them. God is carrying them. So have an honesty before God and pour your heart out before Him. Pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. He who prays in tongues edifies or builds up himself. He who prophesies edifies or builds up the church. Now how can anyone build up the church unless they're first built up themselves? We are called to pray in tongues. What's that? It's a spiritual language God has given to us. I was talking to some of the newer Christians. I hope you don't mind me saying your name. Dean and Ben here. We were talking out at the courtyard cafe earlier. And I said, have you prayed in tongues? And they both told me the Holy Spirit came on them. Hallelujah. And they started praying in tongues. We used to have evenings here before the pandemic where we would smother people in oil and pray, they'd pray in tongues. Uh, at the moment, we're restricted to some degree. But God isn't restricted. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will break through, won't he? Amen. If you have never got a spiritual language, the Bible calls it praying in tongues. God wants to give it to you. A lot of people got it at the earlier service. Hallelujah. Maybe God wants to give it to you. It's simple. It's just you praying in a language you don't understand. And you pray to God. It's not going to be English or Irish or, or whatever your native language is. It's a language you don't understand. It might be a language of heaven, of angels. But when you pray it, something happens. You begin to feel stronger in your soul and you start getting built up. So we're going to pray for that in a moment. If you never have had it, God wants you to have it. Don't just keep waiting and waiting forever for that. God wants you to have it. And as we do it, we strengthen our soul. One more verse on this. Michael shared this a little while recently. When King Hezekiah got the threatening letter, he knelt down, spread it out before the Lord in prayer. He was surrounded in Jerusalem by a wicked enemy. And he got a letter saying, you know what, boy? Tomorrow you're dead. All your family are dead. Your city will be destroyed. Your history, you're finished. And what did Hezekiah do? He didn't panic. He didn't start complaining to others. He got on his knees. And he took the letter and he laid it out before God. Most of you know the story. And basically he said to God, I can't carry this over to you, God. And God delivered him. Hallelujah. So he built up his soul. And he got strong. And we read this again and again in the Bible. Instead of panicking, instead of kicking out and lashing out at someone else, we bring it to God. And God delivers us from it. Hallelujah. So we can edify and build up our soul. One more. We need and we are called to edify our church, our local church. Everyone who loves Jesus is commanded. And a lot of people aren't doing it. They're just doing their own thing. But we're going to preach the Bible here. The Bible commands every believer to be part of the church. There's a movement now where it's just me and God with the telly or something. That's okay for a season. But really, we're commanded to be part of the church. You can't open the Bible. You'd want to get the scissors out and cut out most of the Bible to try and see Christianity without the local church. It's always been there and part of it. And one of the things you and I are called to do, to bless ourselves, is that we're called to bless other people in our church. When you gather together, not if, when. 
Let the songs, the teachings, the tongues, the prophecies all be done so the people are built up. So the people are edified. So you might go to work and your boss may destroy you. You might be in school and another guy in the class or a teacher might really drag you down. You might be in a relationship and it's not very life-giving. Or you could have a family member or a neighbor who's attacking you. You know what? When you come to church, God forbid that should ever happen. Who will say amen? amen? When we come to church, we are to be built up. That's what the good book says. I remember visiting a church many years ago, not in Cork, because most churches are great, but I never forget it. I went into a church, and the pastor there, I don't know what he was going through, but he was just projecting all his anger, all his frustrations on the poor people in the church. He was projecting such negativity. I actually left that church feeling worse than when I went in. <laughs> I should have stayed the whole bit of the day. And the songs were awful. They were like, I don't know, songs about depression, dirges. And nobody smiled. Nobody welcomed. It's good to smile, isn't it? Yeah. It's good to smile at church, isn't it? Yeah. Some of you are going, I have to wear a mask, Tom. How can you see my smile? You know how you see the smile in someone's eyes? Yeah. Hallelujah. The eyes are the lamp to the soul. When we smile, a simple thing, you might say, I'm not very good with words, show a bit of kindness with a smile. I was uh, fascinated, I'm fascinated with different cultures who come to Ireland and what they find very different. And I was reading, I think they were from Ukraine, and they were saying, the big shock for them coming to live in Ireland was how everyone would hold the door open for the person after them. They were saying, why are people doing that? And I don't know, it's just a courtesy. They love it. But things like holding open the door. You know, a big thing in, in Cork anyway is, if you're on the bus and you're getting off the bus, if you look at the locals, you know what everyone does if they get off the bus? They say thank you to the bus yeah. driver. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we say thank you to the bus driver. If you're living in Cork and you've never said thank you to the bus driver and he gives you a dirty look the next time, it's just that we always say thank you to the bus driver. Now you can say to me, he's been paid to do his job. I know, but it's just what we do. We hold the door open for one another. We teach our children to say please and to say thank you. Courtesy is a big thing in our culture. and. It builds people up, and you know, I'm the first to say there's stuff about Ireland that isn't great, but you know, let's celebrate what is great, amen? amen. And this kind of kindness is good. And above everyone else, the Christian church should show kindness to one another. So whether it's the preaching or the singing or the Holy Spirit or fellowship in a community cafe afterwards, we should build each other up. And then, of course, the Bible goes on to say, Therefore, don't avoid coming to church like some do. But instead, and this is now the, I think it's the New Living Translation, see how inventive or creative we can all be in building each other up and helping one another out. Hebrews 10, 25. We come to church to connect with God. We come to church that God will touch us. But it doesn't end there. We also come to church to bless other people. Who we'll say amen. amen? It's called community. 
And you and I, no man, no woman was called to be an island. We were called to connect with each other. We're called to bless one another, help one another. Let me tell you a story about what happened in 1979 over on the Mardike here in Cork. I was in my final month or two of secondary school, about to do the leaving certificate. And my history teacher, a man called Decky Healy, great teacher, don't know if he's alive or what, maybe not. But I remember he came up to me and I had handed up some essays and he said to me, you've got a good ability to communicate. Use it for good in your life. And you know, I, I never forgot that saying. Every time I prepare a sermon, a message, this guy, Dickie Healy's words, he wasn't a Christian, I wasn't a Christian, but his words come into my mind. And that's why I love what this pastor and author and broadcaster, his name is Joel Olstein, I love what he says. One compliment can have an impact for a lifetime. Don't withhold a blessing. Your words can have an impact years from now. Isn't that true? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Parents, when we give life to our children, don't take away your children's confidence. Don't break their spirit. Don't rear them that they're obnoxious, spoiled brats either. There's a balance. But we're called to build them up. When a mum or a dad says to a child, you are useless, you're finished, you're a failure, that's desperate. That's desperate. Trying to bring something positive out of that situation. Our words can have such an impact. So we can edify our friends in the church. We can build one another up with our words, with our kindness, with our body language, as well as with our preaching and our singing and all of that. So brothers and sisters, my prayer today is that we will ask the Lord to help us. Some of us need prayer for our minds because our minds maybe aren't in a great place. In a moment I'm going to ask those who want that just to put their hand on their head and pray. For some of us it's our body. Put a, put a hand maybe over your tummy. Just pray for your body, whatever the issue is. For some it's our soul. Put a hand over your heart. And maybe for some it's others. Just lift a hand out and stretch it out to those around you. We're going to pray that God will help us in whatever area we need it, that he'll give us the strength in that area. The band are coming up, we're going to sing a great song from that wonderful revival in Australia. That's like wildfire all over the world. The Hill Song Movement started in Sydney, and this is one of their songs called You Are Stronger, How Stronger God Is. If you're feeling weak, You're in a good place. If you feel weak, that's okay. I am weak. He is strong. I am weak. He is strong. You get this? I am weak, but he is strong. Is he strong? He is stronger. Hallelujah. He is stronger. Can I ask you to stand? Holy Spirit is moving here. Forget about yourself right now. Forget about anyone looking at you. It's dark. No one can see it. But Jesus can see through the dark. We're going to sing the song. 
We're going to give an opportunity for someone to be born again here. We're going to give an opportunity for people to receive the gift of tongues. We're going to pray that God will help us build up and edify our mind, our soul, our body, and our church. John, let's sing a verse and then straight into the chorus. There is love that came for us, humble to Westerners cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again. Yeah, lift up your hands, that's it. 
Hallelujah. Anyone else looking for the gift of tongues? I see your hands. I see your hands. Praise God. There's no pride here. There's only honesty and humility. I pray now in the name of Jesus that heaven would open above us. Who say amen? amen? We pray fire from heaven to our brothers and our sisters. We pray, oh God, that something would happen supernaturally in their minds and then in their mouth and in their heart. Lord, begin to give them the sounds, the syllables that might sound like gibberish but are another language, maybe even the language of angels. Give it to my brothers and sisters. I release the tongue now in Jesus' name. Now in my name, in your name, Jesus. And I pray everyone who is praying here would begin to feel, to sense, to know that the Holy Spirit is planting these sounds in their hearts. I pray God you would give them the courage and the faith to begin to pray them out. Not just now, but later on this evening and tonight, they would begin to pray these sounds out. And as their vocabulary increases, that the power of God would be evident as their souls are edified through the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, a uh, little bit more passion. The people of God said. Amen. Some of us need to pray for our heads, our minds, or our hearts. Let's do those two. You can put a head on your a hand on your head or over your heart. In the name of Jesus, we want to build up our thoughts, oh God. We capture every thought. We come against thoughts of depression, thoughts of addiction, thoughts of self-harm. Thoughts of being feeling too low about ourselves. Thoughts about being too high about ourselves. We pray, oh God, that our minds would be edified and that we would begin to put in the tools and the practices in our situations so that our minds are built up. We pray, oh God, for our souls as we touch our hearts. And we ask you, Lord, that the spiritual side of our lives would get stronger and stronger. That we would be a living sacrifice, oh God. That we would indeed focus on that which is pure. That we would, oh God, do the things you've called us to do in our souls. If you want to pray for your body, put a hand over your tummy. I pray, oh God, that these bones, this carcass, Help us, O oh God, to remind ourselves that this body is a temple to the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. We're not just a body. We're not just made to be like an animal. We are called to be sons and daughters of the living God. So help us to build our bodies up and that we would be a blessing in our physicality in Jesus' name. Last prayer. Let's reach out a hand and just point it to some others around us. Just put a hand out to the side. Thank you, Jesus, that we can gather together in a church. This is your command. And with joy and with faithfulness we meet before you and with one another. And as we are here now, whatever our brothers and sisters are going through, we pray a blessing into their lives. We pray, God, that our actions, our words, spoken and unspoken, our prayers, our deeds, 
that we would be a blessing, that we would edify and build them up. Help us to be this man or this woman. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said it. One word of prophecy before we close and stop. I was gardening during the week and I cleaned under a big bush in my garden. And I discovered a huge briar with a lot of thorns on it and a big thistle. And straight away the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I remembered the book of Genesis that said, The thistle and the thorns are the curse of the fall of man on earth. And you know what God said to Adam? They have to pull the thistle and the briar of thorns up by the root. And I pulled both of those plants up by the root. And God is saying to someone here, you've, become, you've come into a situation that's really hurtful. Your heart is breaking. It's like you're stung by a thistle. It's like the thorns are piercing your heart. And God is saying, pull that thing up by the root and you won't be hurt anymore. Let that go. Give it over to God and you'll be set free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing one more verse of the song before we close, John. Hallelujah. A verse and a chorus and then we close.